The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome back to the Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my co-captain, the almighty Jim. Not quite almighty, but in space, no one here can hear you be old. This installment of Old Space Show continues our episode-by-episode travelogue through Season 1 of Space 1999, where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space, the population of its human-built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. Today, we are talking about the 21st episode, The Infernal Machine. I think I saw them open up for Nine Inch Nails at Lollapalooza, The Infernal Machine. (laughs) Yes. They were killer, man. They broke up after their second album, though. Dude, that first album was awesome, though. Galactic Car Wash, man, what a song! Mm. Arcata Casserole is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we could we could do the whole episode doing this, uh, okay. and then the reunion tour. Oh man! This episode. Number two from the prisoner. This episode. Went. This episode. Squint a person. This episode. Oh, he's not. This episode. He's a chip. This episode. Like a, a bumblebee? A reminder, we are going through the episodes in the fan-preferred production order. Not the broadcast order is found on streaming services. In this episode, the Alphans encounter Delmer Plebis Powell's Gwent. A huge spacecraft which defies aerodynamics and is extension of Gwen's genius and ego. It's directed by David Tomblin and written by Anthony Turpeloff and Elizabeth Barrows. Tomblin, who we've talked about before, they did a. Uh, we've done episodes of him. I don't think we've talked about him, but we did another time, another place, and Force of Life. Um, as a writer, do you remember Return of the Ewok, Jim? Oh, how could I forget? Yeah, that little Warwick Davis promotional short for Return of the Jedi in 1982. He wrote it. He also uh, wrote for the show UFO and The Prisoner, which probably got him one of his guest stars in this one. And Danger Man, the show that led into The Prisoner. Uh, plus, uh, he worked with he worked on uh, The Return of a Man Called Horse with Urban Kirshner. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to I want I want us to all to take a knee right now and listen to his second unit director, assistant director. Yeah, accomplishments. The Haunting, The Alphabet Murders, Shaft in Africa, Barry Lyndon, The Omen, A Bridge Too Far, Superman, The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, The Last Crusade, Never Say Never Again, Empire of the Sun, Out of Africa, Braveheart, Havana, and Chaplin. That's a, that's a partial list. 
if you like. That's <laughs> yeah, that is a partial. I'm looking at his, yeah. on his on his Wikipedia as assistant director. He has 49 uh, entries. Yes. Yeah, that, I was. Uh, and, and that was the sizzle reel. There's some Oscar winners in here, man. You got out of Africa poking out at me here, and Gandhi, and you know, some really classic films. It's pretty incredible yeah. that he was working on Space 1999, <laughs> like we're just before as the director, as the director, like right before this. So, You're like we got we got the guy who did Barry Lyndon to do this episode. Kubrick, who did 2001? We love 2001. It's like no, 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 no. <laughs> no the guy's second unit director from his oh. assistant director. Well, we love Kubrick still, maybe. He worked as a line producer for Terry Gilliam on uh, Munchausen as well. Oh, wow. Gosh. Very cool. Um, Gilliam's one of my favorite directors. So I was like, he had to have like gotten nominated for an Oscar or something. Like, nope. He's an OBE, though. That ain't nothing. So let's talk about our main guest star this week, though, man. Leo McKern. This guy. Okay. Before we even get to the prisoner or whatever, okay? Dude has a yeah. glass eye. First of all, and he's Australian, mm. right? Perfect. Not British. Everybody thinks he's British because he worked at the old Vic Theater, right? Shakespeare Memorial Theater, all this stuff. He's he's Australian, and he learned his British accent. Mm-hmm. He followed a woman that he had fallen in love with from Australia to the UK, married her, and stayed married to her for 47 or 57 years. As one does. How about that? That was a great story, I thought. But yes, of course, love. the prisoner. Talk about love. Yes, he was the guy who played number two. He played him three times. Like most of the time, you switch number twos every episode. But he was like the number two, right? Mostly. I'm so trying to resist, like uh, not making a, a Beavis and Butt number two joke here. <laughs> he was in way, way more than that. That though, he's in a man for all seasons. Right. Uh, um, he was in the Omen. Uh, which is probably where he met the assistant director and uh, the Blue Lagoon, French Lieutenant's Woman, Lady Hawk. Lady um, Hawk, yes. And he was really known for like 20 years for playing Rumpole the Bailey, which was on PBS for like eons here in America uh, on Mm -hmm. Masterpiece Theater and stuff. So that's where I first saw him, I think, as as a kid. But he is a very bombastic fellow and a great voice and presence, you know. Yeah, he's one of those guys like a... um... Like we had Brian Blessed, but he'd be kind of in that class. He's not as big as Brian Blessed with the projections, but he's got that kind of like those guys. Those guys hung out in the BBC pub at one point, I'm sure, or the ITV pub, one of those during the 60s and 70s. Very theatrical voice, very much like mm-hmm. I'm playing to the rafters, almost like uh, you know John Lovett says Baudelaire. Right. So we also have another guest star, uh, Gary Walhorn as Winters. Now, why he's significant the actor who played paul uh princess hancock during the previous episode space brain he was in the makeup chair the makeup artist found a lump on his neck which turned out to be a tumor and he had to have it removed and his surgery and recovery was during the shoot for this episode so he had to be temporarily replaced good news though the tumor was benign and he was fine oh thank goodness but that's why winters is here Winters has uh, enough forehead to, to pull it off, though. He has enough, more forehead than Paul, so he can totally He's missing the stash, though. No stash. Yeah, yeah, and now it's cool as a stash. Mm-hmm. But, hey, that's a lot of forehead. Right. Winters, a forehead like a frosty mirror or window. <laughs> it's a five head. Five head, yeah. 
we get a bit of a bit of a big score to bring us into this episode. Like I was like, oh, okay, they're going like classy and shit to whew, felt sweeping. Uh and we're right away made aware that Paul is not gonna be in this episode. <laughs> cause cause uh, we have Kodak go up to like Sandra and he's like, uh yeah. Well, Paul broke his ribs and ankle in an uh, accident. Yeah, yeah, an accident. Right. That's what happened. I was like, should this one have followed the one where he got high off shrooms and got beat up? Or, but no, <laughs> but no there was back behind the scenes reasons after I watched the episode. Right, right. Out. I was going to say when I was, I was going to say when I was. I'm sorry, when I was watching it, um, all I could think of was like, okay, I've never seen this actor before, so this, this guy's probably going to die. Right. That's what I thought too. Yeah, but he, but he, he doesn't sacrificial death. <laughs> but he no, doesn't. He's, he's he's put back on the bench for another right. time. I, I was so uh, so surprised by that. Yeah, I, I do like when Koenig. You know, we talk about his uninspiring speeches. He tells uh, Koenig about taking the chair because I think Koenig's like been tired. He's been out a bunch and he's trying to take a rest. And he gives him control of the ship or the the moon. And he goes, "Yeah, it separates the men from the boys." And he says it so like, eh. Right, and that's exactly what he says. Though he says, "Separates." I'm like, "What?" Separates. I don't understand. Half the the crew are women here, and what? Okay, yeah. no, I didn't understand yeah. that either. I was it just kind of odd. And the funny part was, as minute, the minute Kanan gets back to his room and sits oh, down, yeah. boom! <laughs> yeah. There's Winters on the screen. Hey, hey, we got something <laughs> over here. He's like, he's like, "This better be important." <laughs> right, it better be important. Now let me ask you before we we before we talk about what they found, is this not the most outlandish spaceship they've had on the show up till now? Maybe. I this spaceship it's... looks like a thermos. Yeah. With like wire hangers sticking out of it. And at the end of the wire hangers are like shoes. I don't know. They're like little rectangles. Right. And, and then Victor is like, oh, it flies like a bumblebee. I'm like, no, that <laughs> doesn't look like a bumblebee at all. It looks like you had some leftover parts. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> so that bumblebee, I'm like, what black. the hell? What the hell are you talking about? What kind of, you haven't been to Earth in a while, man. <laughs> it's like the, these weird spider leg things rotating with like little rectangles at the end. And the center looks like a, a thermos with a window in it. And, yeah, they're all in amazement of it. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Looks like a mobile my seven-year-old made. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then computer won't, like, give up any info on it. Like, right. like what is it? Like, I cannot tell. It's classified. Yep. The voice from that ship asks to land, and Carter's like, he, of course, he's not sure of this at all. He's like, survival first, brotherhood after. <laughs> And uh, Koenig, though, gives it permission to land, but it keeps coming closer. The ship halts the intercommunications and uh, demands Russell, Bergman, and Koenig come board unarmed. Or armed. It says they can come armed, right? Right. By name. He asked for them. By name. He asked for them. Because doesn't he want to send a different group out first? He's like, uh-uh. No, I want this one. I want these. Right. He's very demanding. Very petulant. Uh, right. this, this, uh, uh, this, uh, giant car. Oh, well, we'll discuss what it is in a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah. We do get, the, uh, the moon buggy is back they take a little joy ride. Sold separately. Yeah. Carter still wants to send out Eagles though, but the trio enters this craft. It's very tall and open. It's a, it's a beautiful design. I don't know if you'd think of a ship interior looking like that, but 
it would i i was thinking i don't and i don't know if if uh, this is just me or whatever but i was thinking in in 80s music videos this mm-hmm. would be like a new wave cathedral right this would be like where they'd film the video for like Duran Duran's uh, uh, New Moon on Monday or something. It was like very high ceilings, marble-esque floors, like really weird red piping everywhere. And like, I don't know, Chippendale furniture or something, like Louis XIV furniture, like really ornate furniture. <laughs> it was it was giving me like Kubrick vibes. Yeah. I know the show does, but it was uh, Clockwork Orange-ish and uh, the end of... Uh, 2001, right? Uh, very much, but it was Absolutely. bigger. It was like huge open yeah, it's white a big area set. with yeah, and yeah, antique furniture. That's a very Kubrick thing to do. But they they get scanned and they find an old man laying down in a little like curtained off room. Well, first off, they get scanned by spotlights, right? Yeah. Now we need to mention that because it comes into play later. Because <laughs> oh, that's the way that Gwen or this thing that we'll discuss soon. I'm sure. Bang like communicates and looks at them it keep they keep using the same effect of spotlight to the face <laughs> right I they use it all through the episode so i just wanted to mention it the old guy says he's it's leo mckern he says he is companion while they have the same voice the old man and the the one coming from the ship the communications are different and the voice is gwent like i went to the restroom i went to the store well, also in uh, if you are if you're a fan of The Witcher, uh, books and or video games, uh, Gwent is the card game in the world of The Witcher. So wow. I was like, oh, these guys are really fans of The Witcher. Awesome. Uh, the or, second thing I wanted to mention what, is what came um, first? Oh, is the Witcher the the Witcher Space Ninety Nine? This came first. Okay, this came yeah. first. So maybe they're Space Ninety Nine fans. Here, that's fair. Leo McKern, you forgot to mention, is cosplaying as Gandalf. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was like really yes, long, luxurious, uh, gray beard and gray hair in a, in a big old robe, right? He's like, I have an audition for Mr. Borman next week. It's going to happen. I know it. It's a little inside baseball right there. Just, I was just queuing in Jackson who wants me to. <laughs> anyway, um, also, I noticed that I, I wrote down car showroom floor. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's what this looked like to me. It was just like the the the, the floor of a car showroom, the super shiny tile. Like I was just yeah. like I was thinking that MST riff. Oh, the floors look great. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Whenever they have a shot of the floor or something in it. Yeah. Oh, oh the floors. Right. The floors on these ships never look like. Well, I mean, Alpha, yes, but like a lot of these things, I'm like, that's not what a floor. You know, that, that's not. I've been on. I've been on. Boats, planes, you know, that's not a thought. But anyways, Gwent wants a lot of resources from Alpha. It's demanding. And uh, when Koenig demands to show himself, Companion tells him that everything is Gwent. And Companion kind of sort of controls things and doesn't. And he urges Koenig to give Gwent what he wants and go while you still can. And Companion's dying but Gwent didn't care the eagles get sent out and Gwent shoots a Gwent Gwent all right first of all Gwent is super loud yeah like super loud like everything he does is loud Mm -hmm. when he puts out a printout and this he's loud when he scans them it's loud he's talking he's just very loud I'm just like companion's probably dying of deafness after being in the ship for as long as he's been in okay oh yeah Gwent is a little bossy boots too right like the whole time I'm just like okay you really are not in a place to make demands here, sir. Please 
stop trying to boss Kenny around. He doesn't re- he doesn't react well to that, as we've learned in the other episodes. Right. <laughs> He'll turn on you. <laughs> the uh, so Eagles they get sent out. Uh, Gwent shoots a mountain on Alpha and it explodes, and I guess it keeps the Eagles at bay that were in here, and because they don't they're they're not destroyed, they're not done. Uh, no. Gwent's unaffected by laser fire. And a companion on his deathbed reveals that he is Gwent's creator. <gasps> Shocking! Shocking twist, as if you know, as if they didn't have the same voice yeah. the whole episode. What? Stunning development here. Bear with us. Oh this, my folks. god, the spoiler! Spoiler! Bear Huge spoiler! Uh, oh man, I need a moment. I need a. I need a pill. Nothing is the same from here on out. Uh, <laughs> We're through the looking glass on this now. Yeah, they could have just like thrown his voice through some sort of filter or something, right? Some effect. But they didn't really. This made it louder. And it's like, and then when he's like, I, I am Gwent. I am the true, I'm the man, Gwent. And you're supposed, it's supposed to be this big reveal. And yeah, you know, I'm just like, uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Figured that out like immediately. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Gwent, of course, is angry because I don't know if he has any other mode. And uh, the machine heads to space demanding they give companion, companion a proper burial. And there's like already a coffin for him, so this was expected. And yeah, it's it, it's a lucite and tape coffin yeah. and red duct tape coffin, right? Uh, first of all, <laughs> second of all, they already have a slot. <laughs> Leo McKern didn't even try to hold his breath, yeah, at all in the shot. If you go go back and look at it, I'm totally serious. His chest is rising and falling to the point where I think they freeze frame halfway through the shot on him to make it look like he wasn't breathing. Oh, yeah. Because the first part of the shot, he's like, <gasps> <gasps> it's just like it, really sir. incredibly obvious. The computer eulogy, the eulogy from the computer goes on for effing ever. Yes. Ever. Oh, my God. It goes on so long. It does. And it says nothing. And then they look at Kadig and he's like, all right, Koenig, what you got? He goes, uh, we commit the memory of Gwen to uh, the universe from which you came. Yep. And Gwen's like, that's it? That's all you got? Yeah. What? <laughs> and Bergman's like, amen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn, son. Here's a perfect chance for Koenig to go on to his, uh, his little monologues, yeah. right? Perfect chance for him to soliloquize like he always is trying to do as Moonbase Alpha. Here's your moment, Koenig. Get up there. Take that. No. He totally... Of all Holy the souls I've met in my journey, his was the most exactly. human. And then he sh- exactly. shoots him into space. Anything would have been better than what he said. Yeah. Anything would have been better. Yeah. That, uh, the funny thing, they shoot him into space and Gwent goes, Companion! <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh, and the Eagles, they see it. Back on Alpha, they think, oh, they executed a hostage. Yep. Yeah. One of our leaders is gone. Um, Winters calls the Eagles back. Alan and Winters are on the same page. Right. I'm sorry. Alan and Winters are on the same page. Yeah. Because they're like, that's the execution of a hostage. All right. We got to get these mates. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Winters calls the Eagles back. Gwent lands on the moon again and continues demanding supplies. And Koenig wants to guarantee to be released if he gets him to supplies. And Gwent like zaps him and is like pissy about it. Uh, Gwent also takes a break and uh, the, starts dimming the lights and stuff, which Bergman's like, he's conserving power. And it's deduced that he not only needs supplies, but a new companion as well. And wandering around, Bergman touches some shit and has a heart failure. <laughs> and we're reminded he has an artificial heart. Right. 
It came back, Jim. It came back. It wasn't just for one episode. It did come back. That's good. Con- That's good continuity, Brandon. You did it. <laughs> That's the power of good continuity. And that was so long ago that they could have just <laughs> forgot. Oh, they could have left it out. Yeah. Here's my question. When when Gwent powers down, why don't they try to leave? Yeah, I don't know. Well, they're figuring like, it out. All the power's out, right? And they're like, like Gwent's... Door's locked. Hmm. They don't even try, though. No. You know what I, mean? I don't know. I just, it was just a thought I had while I was watching he it. He still landed on the moon, though. So that's part of the... like. He's not going to go away. And he right. seems powerful. But at least they could have gotten out of there. True. Oh. Uh, so Gwent zaps Victor back to life after this. They come to the realization that Gwent's block with the spotlight. Yes, uh, but G- the spotlight giveth and taketh away in this episode. Gwent is blind. Find that I can't see. So there's a convenient whiteboard <laughs> there that uh, they write. Thank God someone left this dry erase marker that still works here. <laughs> uh, so they write a message to Alpha that says uh, they do the com and it says prepare. And then Gwent demands his supplies now. And Koenig writes on the whiteboard, attack. Yeah. And Attack. And then Winter says it. And they get a bump. We get a bump in the score. And Eagles are like bored. And they're firing at Gwent and... Gwent goes nuts and puts all this this ray with high pitched sound that makes the crew goes nuts and Koenig calls it off and then Gwent offers so loud. Uh, Gwent's in like, okay, I give you Bergman for the supplies, and uh, so Koenig and Russell they're going to be the new companions. Mm-hmm. Going to be a crowded TARDIS. Um, Carter, tempting. Carter and some crew try to infiltrate with supplies, but in fully arming themselves. This doesn't go well because Gwent scans and finds Carter armed, which she tries to say is a comm lock. Uh, Gwent, right. Gwent's like, no. Well, they're trying to like hide in the cargo bay of the supplies that Gwent keeps trying to demand. And uh, the, but this time, yeah. yeah the, the guys like had little ones in their holsters where they normally go. And then they had like, uh, Carter's got this huge freaking like sniper rifle. I'm like, dude, that's not sneaky, even to the blind guy. Like, <laughs> Those guns were like out of a '90s X-Men comic. Right, they were yeah, huge. They were. Um, <coughs> so they start firing at the door. Oh yeah, yeah. Cody's like, "Fire at the doors!" Like, no, nothing happens. No. But then they get the pain raise again, which for a second reminded me of uh, the Agonizer in uh, the Star Trek Mirror Mirror. Oh episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, Agonizer, please, Mister. <laughs> Kyle, you know, yeah, because they keep shining a spotlight on him, and then they're just like, ah, no, the pain, ah. Sorry. But then they realize, oh, it doesn't hurt as bad this time. Let's try to. And then Kitty Kitty starts taunting Gwent, right? And then Gwent's all like, I am Delmer Paulius Plebius Gwent, a person of considerable influence on the planet Zemo. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so. That sounds great. Uh, so after the trio that they're instructed, they bring the supplies in, and the refusals get met with, like, they don't want to do it, and they get, like, beamed again, but it's less effective, and Koenig is just tired of shit and screams at Gwent to tell us what it, what he is and what he wants. And uh, if you got a moment, sit down, folks. He is uh, Delmer Poe's Plebus right. Gwent. 
a person of considerable influence on the planet Zemo, a scientific genius. He created this cybernetic yes. entity, which combined his personality with the super superior abilities of a co- computerized brain. The machine you know is impervious to harm and it's powerful. It's a little late in the episode for backstory, don't you think? <laughs> you didn't even let me finish. It's a little late in the episode. I, dude, it's late in our episode. You, for it's a little late in the episode for backstory. <laughs> Come on now. That's a bit much at the, uh, the very end of the episode. And like, plus everything he says, we already we knew. We kind of got right? it. Yeah. Like you could, we're, I mean, the dumbest person. Everything he said, we already yeah. knew. Like it's, it's, I'm trying to remember a movie recently where like I watched it and they, uh, oh, I get Artemis Fowl. Mm. Like every time they mentioned, they, they explained the premise of the movie over and over like three or four times in the movie. I'm like, okay, thank you. Yeah. I get it. And now I'm seeing this here. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to sum all this up for you at the end of the episode in case you were paying attention. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. But yeah, there was all kinds of fun. Fun. He lists his resume and stuff. It was great. Yeah. Koenig's reply is fatalistic, and Gwent can use its remaining energy to destroy Alpha, but in the end, it too will perish. And Koenig then destroys a fuel rod to be like, check me out. Like, I'll be like, ooh, Lando's getting pissy here. He was like intense when he destroyed that. And then Gwent Gwent turns to philosophical reflection and needing company, which actually gets gets Bergman misty-eyed. He's like, oh, man. (laughs) I was like, oh, man, he tried to kill us, but but, but now I feel bad for him. Uh, F that, dude. He accuses (laughs) Gwent of vanity, and he's like, the first and last of all sins. And he thinks Bergman has a point and dies, shutting down everything, including the air supply. But Conan picks up a little piece of the uh, fuel rod, inserts it in the fuel port, and it gives him some oxygen, then opens the doors. When they leave, it bids farewell to the three Alphans. Then it gears up and flies into a mountain. And everybody watches out the window. And Koenig says, a lonely blind creature looking for its death. That's it. That's, That's what we have. Of course, they end with the window shot. Oh, yeah. Everybody out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another episode that's kind of uh, uh, tooled around the strengths of the guest star. Right? right. Yeah. Like the Brian Blessed episode, we had that kind of thing tooled. And the Julian Sands episode, we had that same situation. Yeah. Um, Glover. Or Joel and Glover. I'm yeah. sorry. Julian Glover episode of the same situation where it has one big guest star and the script is playing to the strengths of that guest yeah. star. And I kind of saw this here. Cause yeah, the alpha, they put the three main people there and then try to, you know, they have a side story. I mean, just everybody waiting on alpha and they let Carter just have all the lines with that. Yeah. Until they go back to alpha. It's just a bunch of people sitting around. How bad yeah. is it that like, yeah. Here's Winters. Why don't you just write that for Sandra for this episode instead? <laughs> like, how do you feel if you're her? Oh, I could say that. No. No. Okay. Okay. Like, why get with it? Like, it'd been more effective, too, if you put Sandra. It's like, I know they weren't thinking too much on character development uh, aside from a couple people in the cast, but man, that, you don't have to pay a There's guest no star. way for Sandra to get hurt or in trouble. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, but yeah, that's all they would do with her. And with so. McKern, it's a lot of his is just voice voiceover. Like he's only present as a human for, I don't know, a lighter amount of this runtime. But yeah, but yeah, great sets, decent story that's kind of over, beat over the head and on the nose, but bigger. 
Yeah, if they'd laid off the uh, having to explain the story to us a few, you know, five or six times, I, I would probably like this episode. Right. I mean, because it's Leo McKern, right? Dude, no, yeah, titan of acting. Oh yes. All right. Well, even when he's chewing the scenery, he's chewing it in a very, very uh, deft and craftful way. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, well, that'll do it for another moon buggy adventure. In the meantime, Jim, where can people find your Gwent? Uh, hey, now I'm not putting my Gwent out there. You gotta go to the OnlyFans for that, son. <laughs> Go to uh, nothing. Uh, nothing's on podcast every week at the Taylor Network of Podcast dot com. Uh, Daryl and Donnie and myself go over the week's worth of entertainment, movie, TV news, and uh, took our take our own uh, little knuckleheaded spin on it. It's pretty fun. We get a lot of emails. We do reviews, all kinds of fun stuff every week. Uh, the Taylor Network of Podcasts dot com. All right, hashtag find your Gwent. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at YSOBlue.com. There's some more from the Brandon Peters Show this week, but until then... Moonbase Alpha out. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Osman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.